In a New York Times article, Faking Cultural Literacy, Carl Greenfield says that social media has led people to think that they need to know something about everything. He says that uh, we pick uh, bits of Facebook and Twitter and news headlines and, and we form our opinions so that we can share something. Um, he says as, the, as an example of superficiality is that six out of ten Americans, uh, um, they, all they do is read headlines. And uh, he says that it's because we feel the pressure. Uh, we don't want to become culturally, culturally illiterate uh, that, so that we can post or tweet or chat or comment or text as if we've seen or read or watched something, whether it was the Super Bowl, Super Bowl or uh, the presidential deb- um, or the State of the Union, whatever it is, uh, we, just, we, we feel like we need to know something so that we can add an opinion, even if we really don't know what's going on or what happened. He says this is the way the world operates. And, and, and I think that's true. There's, there's so much um, surface-level superficiality where we just, uh, we just want to know a little bit of, about everything just to get by. And as we go through our faith series, we don't want a faith like that. Uh, this, this series is called Faith That Matters. Uh, last week we talked about uh, a faith that saves. Um, that is all about Jesus. We, we talked in depth about that last week. Today we're going to talk about a faith that produces and next week, a faith that stands. And so last week, we looked at um, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7. That's where we're going to be at today. That's where we're going to be at next week. And talked about the, the paths uh, to life and the path to death. And uh, the path to life, he says, is like a, a narrow path. And I use the illustration of a country road where you can't pass someone um, without getting over into the ditch or the field. Uh, compared to an eight-lane highway uh, where everyone's going in the same direction and you just get on and you just stay on there. You know you're going in, uh, where you're trying to get to, but sometimes we go where we aren't trying to get to because everyone else is going where we're trying, not trying to get to. Anyway, I'm not going to preach that whole sermon again, um, but that, that happened. That was uh, verses 13 and 14, I believe. And then uh, when you get to verse 21, um, Jesus talked about there were these people that were trying to have um, to prove themselves. They wanted to save themselves, so they, they worked really, really hard to do that. And, uh, and he says, well, yeah, you said you, do, you did that, but I have no idea who you are. Um, what he's trying to really say is they don't know him. These religious people were working really hard, but they didn't know Jesus. They were just trying to, trying to save themselves. That doesn't work. We're only saved through Jesus, through his gift to us, uh, of, uh, the sacrifice on the cross, and, uh, and then our faith in him because of what he did for us. And so right between those two passages, I told you last week I was going to skip around, and, and I'm going to. Today we're going to look at verses 15 to 20. It's right between the, the narrow and the, and the wide roads, and when Jesus says, uh, I never knew you. And so we're going to look at it, and just like last week, he had preached this sermon, and he doesn't just go up and say, okay, number one, do this, number two, do this, number... No, he, he, said, he tells stories, he uses illustrations, he speaks to people in a way that they could understand. That's what he's going to do again. And so, starting in verse 15, here's what he says. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. See, this was an image of an idea that had been used hundreds of years before. Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 13 and 14. From the least to the greatest, are, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as, 
as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. And then it was used again later, uh, the early church in Acts chapter 20. It says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and, w- and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number of men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples from them. It's a picture. It's, a, it's an illustration. And I, I tried to find a couple of things that would help with that. If, anybody watch Looney Tunes growing up? Um, I watched some Looney Tunes, but I'm pretty sure it had been recorded like, you know, 30 or 50 years before. And so I just watched reruns. And, and I, it was funny when I was, when I was thinking about my wording for this morning, I couldn't remember what the word was when a show was, um, uh, you know, aired at one point and then it was aired again later. I couldn't remember what reruns were because we never say that anymore. Because people don't watch live TV very often. You, you can watch it whenever you choose to watch it. I thought that word's going to go away. I don't know if our kids know what reruns are. But anyway, um, if you want to put that up there, this is one of the Looney Tunes uh, sections. They had Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote. This is um, Sam Sheepdog is that, I think, and Ralph the Wolf. Um, and they, uh, they would actually go to work, and, and they clocked in, but before they'd say, good morning, Sam, good morning, Ralph. They were, it was like they were friends, but when they went to work, they had jobs. Sam's job was to protect the sheep, and Ralph the wolf, he was trying to steal the sheep, and that's all the show is, and, and Sam always wins. He's smarter and stronger, um, but Ralph is trying to steal the sheep. Well, there was this one episode, I, I remember it, I think, I couldn't find it, so I couldn't really find uh, what I was looking for. But Ralph dresses up like a sheep. He, he puts a costume on and he zips it up and pulls the hood over and he looks like a sheep and he gets in there and he's able to steal the sheep that way. I couldn't find it, but yeah, there we go. Um, I think it'll look about like that. You know, from, from any other angle, if you look, just kind of look from a distance, it just looks like they're all sheep there. But when you get close, you can really start to see. That's, that's the illustration Jesus was saying. He said, there, there are those among you, they look like sheep, but be really careful. Take a closer look, because there's wolves among the sheep. He, uh, he's talking about false prophets, but this is all Christians. This is everyone. Um, we're, we're talking today about who we're going to follow, um, who, what example we'll look to. And uh, sometimes we look to someone and they look like a sheep, and I should follow that person but then we have to take a closer look. He's saying it is easy. We're talking about our faith. We put our, our best image on. We can, we, can look like, we can look like a sheep. But what about on the inside? What about our hearts? Um, see, we can, we can look at church. We can put our best foot forward and, and you know, uh, really have our best uh, presentation of who we are. And, and I know we all mess up. And there are things that we would probably not say at church that you go home and and maybe you, you, uh, you get in an argument over, over uh, uh, lunch, who's going to cook or something. Not even a, maybe a major argument, just something that you're probably not going to do here. It's not about being perfect. But who, who are we really when, when someone starts to look? Who are we at home? Who are we at uh, work? Who are we when we go out of town? Who are we alone? Not what's our image. Jesus goes on and he furthers this, uh, this same idea with another illustration about who we can trust and who we can learn from and even follow. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. 
Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So grapes and figs were very common back then, like the most popular fruit to eat. Um, but there were actually uh, other trees that looked similar, or plants that you would look at and think, oh, there's a, there's a, a tree that's uh, a grape, I don't, you say a grape tree, a, gra- a bush? I don't, I don't know what it is. Is there any scientists in here or smart people? Um, vine, yeah. And, but from, from far away, you would think, uh, oh, there's grapes. And then you get closer, and, and there's not. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, what he's saying is, from a distance, you know, it's not always what it looks like. I, I thought about um, the Super Bowl. I know there's no fruit that goes on grass. I am smart enough to know that, I think. Is there? <laughs> anyway, if you saw how, how nice the field looked, um, it was very green. It looked good. Uh, it looked good because they, they painted it. Um, it actually caused problems. They got to wear cleats that were a quarter inch longer um, because it caused them to slip so much. Um, that, that grass, actually, they can slide out of the stadium and, it, and, um, and make it look really good, but they couldn't get good enough, so they painted it. I, I feel like that's kind of similar. On the outside, this is what one of those wolves might look like, or the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the vine that, <laughs> that grows the grapes. But is it really producing good fruit? Not its image. What's it actually doing? Jesus doesn't say that you will know the uh, the leadership or or the people to follow by their wisdom or knowledge or their their leadership style. He says, "Yeah, you listen to them. Uh, decide if if what what they're saying sounds like Jesus. Important. Decide if what they say is what you believe and that you're willing to follow them. But then look more closely and see if they're actually living it out. See if they're practicing what they preach." The fruit is a word that's used all throughout the Bible, and there's different meanings for it. Um, but in this case, I, I think this means that we can see their heart. Not to judge them, but is this someone worth following? If someone claims to speak for God, they might carry a Bible and preach and, and publish books and speak at conferences, but are they for real? Jesus says to look at the fruit. Is what they are saying and doing consistent with what he's teaching and who he was? I think this assumes that you know the person on some level. There are, there are a lot of preachers that are, that are better than me that you could watch online right now. And that's, that's true. I'm not talking myself down. There are people with more experience, more education, um, just more natural gifts. And uh, they're very entertaining and engaging. And, and they really might help you in your faith. Um, and you can watch them the rest of the week. Keep coming here on Sundays, but then watch them the rest of the week if you want. Um, but the one advantage you have with me or anyone else who preaches, or the Sunday school teachers, or the elders, or the Christian who brought you here to church, you get to watch them the rest of the time. You get to see if what they're teaching and saying is consistent with who they are when they go to lunch after church, uh, who, who, they are, who they are at the school or the, or the grocery store. Are they living consistently with what they're saying? That's a big advantage. Is what you see consistent with, he says, the fruit. Think about, I think about the fruit of the Spirit. I think this is a good start. I don't know if he was talking about this or what he had been talking about in the Sermon on the Mount before, but very similar. The fruit of the Spirit is, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are the, are, are the people that you're listening to living with these qualities? If you want a faith that produces, follow someone that, that has these qualities. Strive for them as well. We can't follow someone just because they're, they're good at talking or that they're good at, they're good at regurgitating information. Jesus does not speak favorably towards Christians who say they are Christians who are using his name but misrepresenting him. 
He spoke to the church in Laodicea. He said, if, he said, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. Sorry, cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. What he was saying is, guys, your, your faith is of no use to anyone. You say you're following me, you say you're Christians, but you're useless to, to yourselves. Your faith is useless to yourselves and to the world around you. A saving faith, we talked about last week, that is all about what Jesus did for us. You know, we, we put the bar this high, and if I could just do these things, then I'll go to heaven. And Jesus says, no, actually, no one can get, it, get that high. The bar is, is that high, and no one can get over it without me. It's, it's all about what Jesus did for us on the cross and the resurrection. But a faith that produces is actually partially on us. It, re- it really is. It's our response because of what Jesus did for us. Are we going to live differently? Over and over, Jesus challenges his followers to deny themselves, to take up the cross, to follow him. Not for salvation, but so that the faith would make a difference. What good is it if it doesn't make a difference? We can't do it on our own. We still, even even this today of having a faith that produces, um, it still isn't all on us. It still isn't all on us. I I don't know how long it's been. I preached a sermon on, um, it was empty yourselves to be filled meaning get the bad out of your life. Uh, We're not going to make ourselves righteous. We're not going to do enough to save ourselves, but we can do things so that our faith starts to make a difference. We get the bad out and we allow God to fill us through his spirit with the fruit of the spirit, those words that I listed earlier of love and joy and peace. I realize these words uh, about the false prophets, it's, it's a negative tone, but we can learn from this. We can learn that it's not all about image. We can look at the, the parts of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount before this, Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and, and going into chapter 7, um, and he talks about reconciliation and humility and love. That's, that's the difference that this will make. Think about the, the broken relationships we have in our lives, the hurt that we've lived through. Maybe if, if we were actually following this, would it have made a difference? Maybe. See, looking the part is, is easy. I found this story about, um, it was a, a University of Virginia college sophomore, Danny Foley, and he just wanted to be a part of the men's basketball team. And he, even if it meant faking his way onto the court. See, he noticed that all the assistant coaches wore the same suits, same, same, whole same outfit. And so uh, before the conference championship against Duke on March 16, 2014, he and his friends went searching for some cheap knockoffs. He found everything he needed at Walmart. Suit jacket, suit pants, dress shoes, dress socks, a white dress shirt, and an orange tie. He bought a $30 nosebleed ticket just to get into the, into the arena. And during a TV timeout, he said, later he said, I, I walked right behind the cheerleaders and onto the court and joined the team's huddle on the court. You can put that, yep, there we go. That's, that's him there. If you, you, it's hard to tell that he's actually matching anyone, but these guys standing closest to me in their suits there, he was matching those guys. He maybe should have came around. But anyway, that's the conference championship against Duke. He's standing out there with the, with the uh, team there. When they won, um, he took it a step further. They won 72-63. to 63. He joined his teammates in the line to shake hands and got to shake. Legendary coach, Coach K, got to shake his hand like he's part of the team. They celebrated. He stayed out there long enough. He even got a, a T-shirt. Uh, you can see him there, the, uh, the conference championship shirt. Uh, he, I mean, could you imagine uh, how exciting and nervous you would be at the same time? Um, but he did it. 
I, uh, I share this because uh, after celebrating, um, one of the other coaches noticed he's not one of our guys, and so he took off, jumped over the security gate, and ran out. Uh, didn't, I don't think he got in big trouble. I'm not really sure. They might have kicked him out. I'm not sure. But it's pretty harmless, really. I mean, no harm done. But uh, the truth came out. And I say that because that's what happens um, when someone's living fake. It, it seems to always come out. I think about the celebrity preachers that I, I watched and uh, I learned from, and I thought, these guys are really helping me. And now I don't watch them anymore because uh, some of them were, um, were, were fired for uh, affairs and um, church, even churches closed down, guys that I really looked up to. It's not that we can't learn from, from everyone and not that their sermons were bad, but Jesus says, hey, you're going to learn from someone, you're going to follow someone, you're going to let someone mentor you, probably need to know who they are. This is how our, our, our faith grows. We, ha- we have to know that it's not about image, but we have to dig deeper if we want it to make a difference. I think of one of my favorite illustrations. I didn't make this up, and I've heard it so many times. I don't know even who came up with it in the first place, but it's the idea of a faith muscle, that our faith is a muscle. And, and I think, you know, like, like I, everyone has a bicep, but some people's biceps look different than others. Like, uh, that's, just, that's just the way it is, you know? Um, and there's a reason for it. We're going to talk about that. But everyone has, uh, who has a faith has a faith muscle. Just, just start with that. And that means that you have a sincere, sincere faith in Jesus, and you love him, and you have a relationship with him. But what if that faith is, is weak? Um, what if you don't develop any gifts? What if you're not uh, trying to grow in your faith? Um, how helpful is that for others? It's there, but how useful is it? I, last week, um, we were we're moving along in the sanctuary remodel process and getting, getting closer. We actually, the top of the stage is done, and we were able to um, carry the piano over there. It doesn't look like this, but it's about this size. We were able to put it up on the stage. And so it was Tuesday morning. We had four of us. We built a ramp, and we, we, got, and we pushed it up there. But you have to kind of pick it up, and this thing, it's really heavy. I mean, that one over there, I mean, it, it was really tough for us to get it up there. But you push it up. So we had to kind of lift in the different places, and it was fine. It was really hard to do, but then I went back to my office, and I can't remember if it was a half an hour or an hour later, but then we had more guys, and uh, um, one of the guys said, hey, let's go and pick it up, and everyone, you know, we'll, we'll spread out. There's five of us, and we'll turn, and we'll carry it over to another part of the stage. Don't roll it, carry it. So what I didn't realize uh, from earlier when we pushed it, there's something like like right here. I don't know what that muscle is or but mine doesn't work anymore. Um, I, I, had strained, I had strained it like just by pushing it. And so when we went to pick it up, um, when there's five people carrying something, if you try to pick it up and you don't lift as high as the other people around you, you're not really doing any of the work. So I may have done that, not on purpose. <laughs> not, sorry, other four that were here. Not on purpose. I could not lift it up. I couldn't do anything. So it, it went up when the other guys did it, and I really tried. I don't think I was of any use to anyone else. That's what happens when our faith muscles aren't developed. Whenever the other people are trying to carry and help people through something or, or get help through it, and you step up and you're like, I'm going to help you, but you're, you don't have a, a strong faith. You haven't done the things to produce a strong faith or to, to, uh, to receive a gift of a strong faith. You have no help to anyone. So how do we do it? It seems pretty easy. Things like prayer, Bible study, worship, 
But also, I think uh, our strongest, our biggest opportunities for a strong faith aren't usually planned. Uh, I know there's a lot of fads with exercising, but I think that the way people's muscles grow now, they say, is, is lift really heavy weights. Not as, not as often, but lift really heavy weights and then let your muscles you know, rebuild. So in life, we go through moments that are really heavy, are really strenuous, and, and we don't always pick these things. I think there's three, three big ideas. Um, there's tests and temptations and trials, and they all sound like the same, but they're not. There's tests first. Uh, in Genesis 22, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham. This is when we have to make a decision and we have to weigh. Um, logically speaking, I would do it this way. When I think through the numbers and I think through general knowledge and reasoning and I talk to 10 people, they say, do it this way. But then we pray and we feel that God is, is telling us to do it differently, whether it's through his, his scripture or through other Christians or just a, a strong conviction. I really need to do it this way. This is how I can obey God. This is what I see Jesus would have done and I should do it this way. But logic says to do it this way. Which way do we go? How does our faith grow? when we go this way. There's temptations. The Bible is clear that, that, uh, that God does not tempt us in James 1.13, but he uses those, those as moments uh, so that we can know him more, so that we can uh, know ourselves more and, and, and trust him more. Even Jesus was tempted in Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, okay, Spirit, Holy Spirit, but tempted by the devil. See, God didn't tempt him, but he led him to a place that he knew he was going to be tempted. And then trials. Sounds similar, but a little different. It's been said uh, many times that we are either in a trial, just coming out of a trial, um, or we'll be in a trial soon. If it's not us, it's someone close to us. 1 Peter 1.7 says, Why? These have come so that your faith of, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed learning to trust God through trials is hard. We don't choose these things. We don't want these things. But these are those strenuous moments when our faith grows the most. I want to finish with one more story. Paul Bear, uh, Bear Bryant, he's considered one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. Bryant's record in 38 years at Maryland, Kentucky, Texas A&M, and Alabama include 323 wins. He also took 29 teams to Pro Bowl games. He led 15 of his teams to conference championships. In the 60s and 70s, no school won more games than Alabama. They went 193-32-5. As one of the colleagues said, he wasn't just a coach, he was the coach. One of his pregame speeches, though, someone recorded his words or, or wrote down what he had said. And, and, and the guy said, he, one of his players said he made contact with uh, eye contact with every player on, on the team as he spoke, just walking around. And he said this, In this game, there are going to be four or five plays that will determine the outcome of this contest. Four or five plays that will swing the momentum toward us or away from us. I don't know which plays these will be. You don't know which plays the will, these will be. All you can do is go out there and give your all, give all that you have on each and every play. If you are doing that one, that one of those crucial plays and you catch your opponent giving less, that play will swing things in our direction. And if we rise to the occasion like that on those four or five plays, we are going to leave here today a winner. When those crucial 
moments in our lives happen, those four or five plays, those four or five times where something happens and there's an opportunity to make a real difference in the people's lives around you, an opportunity to trust God when, when I don't really think I should. It, it doesn't make sense to do it. When those four or five things happen, are you going to have a faith that matters, a faith that produces in some way, a faith that helps those people around you? The last week we learned that Jesus um, from Jesus teaching that the path to salvation is a personal decision. That's what we have to decide first. Is he my king and Lord? Is he trustworthy? When I, when I look to the cross, do I think, he does love me? And when we look to the empty grave, Easter's coming up. He, he's powerful. A, a God who created me is trusting. He's powerful. He loves me. Is that enough for me to trust him in those four or five plays in my life when I, when I have to make a decision? When we do that, this week we learn that faith that produces, that makes a difference in our lives, it starts with following him and trusting him and learning from others who do the same. I wanted to talk a little bit more about why it's going to come up and give our communion meditation. And uh, he's, he's going to talk a lot about the cross and what that means. So I just want you to hear his words. I almost consider it an extension of the sermon. It was so good uh, first service. So let's pray. Father, as we as we continue on worshiping you, as we consider uh, the words that uh, we've heard through Jesus and through your word, um, as we consider and hear what Wyatt's about to say, and, uh, and, and the songs as we, as we uh, uh, take in, um, I pray that we would pour our lives back out to you. And I just pray that this would be a, a morning that when we walk out, we truly do trust you a little bit more, not because of anything we've done, um, but because you have proven faithful to us. And so I pray for our hearts. Uh, that we would always look to you first in any decision in our lives for our good, for your glory, and for the good of those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.